Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. And his name is associated with controversy, particularly arising out of life in New England, colonial America in the 17th century. He was a Puritan minister, and he was also someone that was known for his association with the Salem Witch Trials. As a native of Boston, he was a graduate of Harvard. He's also someone who's known for having an interest in science. But he is also known for his misguided view of slavery. See, his name is Cotton Mathers. And he had a view that was unfortunately common at the time that went something like this. Now, though he did condemn slavery for profit, his misguided, unbiblical, erroneous view went something like this. It basically said that slavery, particularly of African slaves, is permissible if it is to the accomplishment of the saving of their souls into his version of Christianity. Now, what's, what's so tragic about this erroneous view is that it overlooks the truth that, that Christianity, biblical, true biblical Christianity, has deep roots in Africa going back to the time of Christ in the first century church. And actually, Africa, particularly in the regions of North Africa, became, from, from the first century of Christianity, after Pentecost, right? And for several centuries was the hub of Christian mission, thought, and scholarship. As a matter of fact, it has been recorded that many of the slaves that were brought to America on slave ships, were already followers of Jesus Messiah when they were brought here. But unfortunately, this view was maintained by Cotton Mather. But not only view, uh, uh, maintained by Cotton Mather, it was also embraced by his local church. For they actually purchased a West African slave for him, whose name he gave Onesimus. He originally, uh, initially did not trust Onesimus. As a matter of fact, he called him, listen, useless. And he even suspected him of theft. Now around this time, around this time, where he was living in New England and Boston, they were just being swept in by 
an epidemic, not a pandemic, but an epidemic of the smallpox virus. And so Cotton Mathers, in his interest in science and in his desperate attempt to find a treatment or some kind of cure, because this disease was taking out up to 30% of the population in Boston, the early 1700s, maybe 1721, I believe, is around the time. And around this time, as he's desperately searching for a cure, he has a conversation with Onesimus, his slave. And his slave lets him know, Onesimus, that, oh, I'm not concerned about smallpox. And he's, what? How come? Oh, well, we have this procedure in West Africa. It's very common in West Africa. And uh, basically, here's the procedure, and, and basically, it, it actually prevents you through, through building your immune system uh, so, that, so that you're not affected, and if so, not, not severely, by smallpox. And so th this procedure is inoculation. Well, Cotton hears this and thinks, well, this is a, fant a fanciful story. But he goes on to inquire amongst his other slaves. And, and, and the validity of what his slave Onesimus was saying was confirmed. And he began to become like an evangelist for this inoculation procedure to address the issue of smallpox. Now, very much like our current setting and our current time, uh, inoculation, which eventually led to vaccinations, inoculation was very controversial. I mean, the people, two reasons primarily, at least when he was starting to proclaim it around wherever he went, is one, uh, people naturally are a little sus suspicious of things being placed on their body, particularly, you know, you're getting something that is a, 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 a part of a virus, you know, and you're, and you're placing it on someone that's well, and, 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 and so the people get nervous about that, especially at that time they didn't have all the information that we do today. And so, as, as they're kind of hearing how this procedure works, they're kind of going, well, that doesn't seem like it's going to work. That is not going to make sense. Well, the second reason that's very interesting for our conversation today, the other reason why they were resistant to this procedure was because they heard that it actually originated from Cotton Mather's slave. And they wouldn't receive a life-saving, they wouldn't receive life-saving counsel from an African slave. Now what's interesting, slowly but surely, when family members started to receive it and officials started to receive it, that, that, that actually people began to realize, well, you know, this thing actually works. I don't know what I was tripping about, but you know, all right, well, 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 well let's get inoculated. And the death rate in Boston, it went from 30% down to 4%. Saved countless lives. As a matter of fact, this procedure is what eventually developed into our modern practice of vaccination. And it was so successful. It, 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 it saved so many countless lives that in 1980, I was a year old, so you can date that, in 1980, the World Health Organization declared smallpox, based on the, what eventually developed into this vaccine, declared smallpox eradicated from the planet. Did you know that? Now, what's strangely paradoxical and ironic about this whole thing is that all of this is traced back 
to a slave that Cotton Mather is called useless. You know, a lot of the innovations and, and inventions of slaves at that time, were not, the credit was not given to them, it was given to their masters. And that's what happened with Cotton Mather's and this inoculation eventually vaccined and eradicated smallpox. Even in my research, you know, I'm looking and I'm seeing most of the credit is given to Cotton Mather's. But when you actually dig uh, the History Channel and others, they're actually telling the actual story, Wikipedia and so forth, that this actually originated from Onesimus. Now what's interesting is that, that this slave who was called Useless, his name actually originates from a story found in the book that I hope that you're in right now, and that's the book of Philemon. Because Paul is writing to someone who's wealthy and has slaves and is now a follower of Jesus. His name is Philemon, but he has a slave that's the primary subject of the letter, and that slave is called Onesimus, which is what Cotton Mathers named his slave. And guess what the name Onesimus means? Useful. Isn't that useful? So come with me, because here's what I want us to Here's the question I want us to grapple with as we enter into this book. And that is, why does the good news require us to put our love to use by doing what's just in a world of unjust systems? For instance, Paul. Paul is in prison in Rome, right? This is his first imprisonment in Rome. And he's there for unjust reasons. There was no valid reason, even in the Roman system, to have Paul in prison. You guys know that? He just kept getting passed on. If you read the story in Acts, he just keeps getting passed on. Paul is experiencing the reality of a world of unjust systems. And he's writing to someone named Philemon. If you're there in Philemon, Philemon chapter, well, it's only one chapter, chapter one, uh, and, you, and you see how Paul is addressing him. He addresses him in a way that you can see is just a, he's just a master of persuasion. He greets him, and he, he greets him as well as other people in his church. So he's calling others in his church to witness. Are you hearing that? And he affirms the fact, listen, that they are useful for the kingdom of God. They're disciple makers. Isn't that interesting? And so he talks about that and, and, and how useful they are and how they're partners with him in ministry. And he goes on to commend Philemon for his love. His growth in Christ and his growth in love, his spiritual maturity. He goes on to affirm him for his, for his, his strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and then he even kind of talks about how he, in his love, he has refreshed the saints, which scholars actually believe is hinting at the fact that he was a very hospitable person. But here's what's very interesting to me also, is that it's very, it, it comes out in this out letter actually, that Philemon is someone who Paul himself brought to, uh, uh, brought to Christ and discipled. And the church that he is a part of, is, is many scholars believe, and I think it could, could be true, that it's actually the church of Colossae, where we get the book Colossians. But watch this. He has a church gathering in his house. 
Now, Paul is calling everybody here to witness what he's about to say to Philemon. And what, 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 what he goes on to say, now, in light of, of, of the love that you have manifested in your ministry as a follower of Jesus and as a disciple-maker, he's like, I, Paul, I, 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 I could, if I want to, Philemon, I could, under the authority of Christ, our King, command you, order you to do what I'm about to tell you. I could order you to do what I'm about to ask you to do. But, you know, I'm Paul, I'm old now. I got some salt and pepper. Well, no, Paul actually, I think, was bald. I was going to say he might have had salt and pepper like me. He's old now. I'm in prison. You know, I, you know, for the sake of love, Paul is saying, I'm going to appeal to you, Philemon. I'm going to appeal to you to do that which is proper, your, your translation may say. I'm going to ask you to do what is, what is right, your translation may say. I'm going to ask you to do what is just. Why? You are a follower of Jesus. You're under the reign of Messiah. You've entered into the kingdom of God now that will eventually be ushered in at the second coming. And so I, I have a higher expectation of you, Philemon, as a follower of Jesus, as someone who is seeking to be like Jesus and to live out what he taught. I could order you, but no, you're a follower of Jesus. You're someone who is demonstrating love in Christ. I'm going to appeal to your heart for the sake of love, Philemon. And so those of us that are Philemons in the house, come with me now. Verse number 10. Again, the question we're seeking to answer is, why does the good news require us to put our love to use by doing what's just in a world of unjust systems? Come with me now. Philemon chapter 1, beginning in verse number 10. If you're there, let me hear you say amen. Amen. I appeal to you, Paul is saying. I appeal to you. For my child Onesimus, do you hear the, the tenderness there? When you discipled someone in the New Testament, they often refer to that disciple that you're, you're, you're mentoring into how to follow Jesus. You would call them a child, a spiritual son, and you, the disciple maker, would be like a spiritual father or mother. Okay? I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, that's the slave, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was, what does it say? Yeah, your, your, your translation may say unprofitable or, listen, useless. What did Cotton Mathers initially say about his slave who was called Onesimus? He was what? Useless. Useless to you, but, but, but now is, now, but now is useful. It's a play on words that Paul is doing here. Useful both to you and to me. Paul is brilliant. You can see the play on words. The, the, the slave's name is, is Onesimus, which means useful. But, but in the past, Philemon, I'm aware, you know, I know you, Philemon, and I know you used to think of this slave, right? When he was operating under the system that you were operating under, you used to call him useless. But now, hallelujah. What was the difference between, go well, back then, you used to call him useless, but now, Paul says. What changed? Well, what did he say? That in his imprisonment, what happened to Onesimus? Onesimus became a? 
Yeah, follower of Jesus, he received the gospel. There's a whole different reality when you receive the gospel. Do you understand that? Regardless of what's going on in this world, slavery back here, though still unjust. Slavery here was a little bit different than our antebellum slave that we're familiar with in the Western, you know, mid-Atlantic slave trade. But nonetheless, it was still not the will of God. It was still unjust, as we'll continue to see. And what's coming out here from Paul, Paul is basically saying, hey, listen, we're under the reign of Christ. We're followers of Jesus, right? And I know how you used to see this slave of yours. I know how you used to operate. But now, you see, the good news, Paul is saying, the good news of Jesus Christ, his reign of love, requires us to put our love to use by doing what's just in a world of unjust systems because Christ's reign changes the status of how we operated in the past. He used to be a slave according to the unjust system of this world, but now. Is he still in the world? Oh, yes, he is. Are there still unjust systems in our world? Oh, yes, yes, there is. But you operate under a different reign. I know there is Caesar. I know the system he has established. I know you're in America. I know you're in the West. I know you work for that company, but you are a follower of Jesus. You have a higher boss. You're accountable to somebody else. You're underneath another reign and rule. You operate at another level in this world. And, 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 and yes, we, we, we recognize that there was a way in which you may have related to certain people in the past. And now you're in Christ, and so we operate differently. But understand, we cannot deny that past either. The past is ugly sometimes, isn't it? Even, even in our own lives. And we don't, we don't often like to go there. But there's a danger to pretending, even psychologically and spiritually, that the past didn't happen. Because there's a tendency for us to do what? Forget and therefore do what? In the present and in the future. Repeat the past. No, we need to learn from the past. You know, I've spoken right here, family like I'm doing right now, and had someone approach me that I normally would have very good conversation with, no, 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 no issue at all. And I had this person who is of Euro descent, a male, approach me and say that there, there's, there, there's not been any and there's no uh, uh, systemic racism or injustice in America. And I'm trying to understand why this person felt so comfortable sharing that with me as an African-American in this country. Are you hearing that? Or I could have been a female in this country. Or I could have been an immigrant in this country. Or I could have been anybody else that's experienced the reality. There has been Jim Crow laws, has there not? There has been red and blue lining when it comes to districting of where people live. Am I right? There are the disproportionate amount of black and brown people that are incarcerated, even for profit, right now. And there's statistics backing that up that I don't have time to go into. 
Is that a place now as a follower of Jesus, if we're using our brains? We cannot deny the reality in this country, family. There's a whole month dedicated to remembering. And so we're not, we can't deny an ugly past. What about your past as a follower of Jesus Christ? What about the mess that you've done? Can we be real this morning? Can I tell you? What about the mess I've done? Oh, yeah. We cannot deny that past. But when you come under the blood of Jesus, when you get to know him, when you operate under the different reality that's brought in when you receive Jesus Christ, you don't ignore that past. You just now look at it and you go, oh, that was painful. Oh, that was bad, bad choice. No, 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 that's not how we're supposed to operate as followers of Jesus. But man, I'm learning from that. I'm not going to repeat that. My children are not going to repeat that. That's not how we're going to operate as followers of Jesus. I love the song we just sang. We're no longer slaves of fear. We're children of God. Do we know who we are? And if we know who we are, do we now see other people based on that reality? There is a risk that Paul takes here in sending Onesimus back to Philemon. You guys know that in the Roman system, the head of household, which in that system, patriarchal system, usually was the male, and therefore they had the power of life and death legally over a slave. A slave could be treated like an animal. They were often referred to as property. And sending Onesimus back was risky because based on what was permitted in that system, he could have had him severely punished or even killed. There's some suggestion that Onesimus may have done something wrong. Maybe he stole something, scholars believe. And that's why he fled, okay? But in his fleeing, he somehow met Paul in Rome, as, as Paul is imprisoned. And Paul is sending him back, appealing to Philemon. Philemon, you're someone, though this system here is not right, you're someone that benefits from it. You have a responsibility. And there's something you need to do as a follower of Jesus? That's proper. That's just. That's right. What systems do you operate in? What spheres do you live and work and play in? What's not right in those systems? Where do you gather for worship? How does it operate? Look at your life. Look who's there. Who doesn't benefit from what you benefit from? Who doesn't get access the way you get access? Who doesn't get treated and paid the way that you are treated and paid? Who has a different station of position in your organization? Do you know their names if they don't have your status? As a follower of Jesus, we operate under a different reign, a different way. That's useful. But Paul now is going to get explicit with his request. Come with me to verse number 15. Verse number 15. Paul goes on to say, for perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while, Paul says, that you would have him back forever. Are you catching what Paul is doing right there? Look at verse 16. No longer as a slave. Listen. No longer as a slave. Now I'm very concerned about some of our translations that we may be reading today. It tends to gloss over what is actually being said in the original language. It's one of the reasons I'm, re I'm reading from what I believe is 
probably one of the, if not the best, English rendering of the text here, and that is the NASB, New American Standard Bible, okay? Because some translations suggest that he's bringing him back to remain in his position as a slave. But yes, he's a follower of Jesus, so please don't hurt him. That's not what the Greek is saying here. It's very clear if you go back and do a little search. He's saying, as we're going to see in a second, Ellen White also confirms this. He's saying, he's coming back no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. Do you enslave your brother? Do you oppress your family member? Especially to you. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? There's a new reality now, Philemon. Verse 17. If then you regard me a partner, i.e. a partner in the gospel of the kingdom. We're a part of the kingdom. There's a kingdom project. As a follower of Jesus, we're equal partners because of the cross. If you regard me, Paul is saying, he's making it personal now. If you regard me as a partner, accept him as you would. As you would. As you would me. Wait a minute. Is Philemon going to imprison the Apostle Paul? Would Philemon harm the Apostle Paul? Would Philemon, who received the gospel from Paul and was discipled by Paul, would Philemon put Paul in chains? No. Just based on the context of what's actually here in the text. It's very clear what Paul is asking Philemon to do. No longer a slave, a brother. Receive him as a family member. Because the good news requires us to put our love to use by doing what's just in a world of unjust systems because Christ's reign, right? You're a follower of Jesus? Christ's reign, listen, subverts injustice by freeing people to live as equals. It's so good, I'm going to say it again. Christ's reign subverts injustice by freeing people to live as equals. This is what was unleashed in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then at Pentecost. You guys know that when Jesus came on the scene, right, and the early church was launched, you guys know that world, the world has never been the same. It has had an effect on the planet. It's, it, now, the enemy tries to counterfeit it and misrepresent it, but there is no denying the fact that Christ has had an indelible effect on our world to move the needle of society closer to justice. It doesn't mean that everything that's happening or has happened, even in the Bible, is what God wants. What God wants is in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. Everything in between in the story, God is slowly moving the needle back to kingdom principles, back to the reign of love, back to justice and righteousness. That's what's happening. He's not endorsing polygamy or slavery. Good God, have mercy. I wish there was at least one amen. He's not endorsing patriarchy. He's not endorsing racism and bigotry. No! He's moving the needle. And sometimes he just has to work with messed up people. Messed up church. Even filled with the Holy Spirit. Read Acts 6. 
Ellen White has something to say here about this. She's talking about this system, slavery in the Roman Empire, and you'll keep reading her. She is applying this also to our time and the time that she lived in, which also had the Western slavery here in America. She said, the tendency of the whole... By the way, this is in Acts uh, of the Apostles, chapter... Uh, uh, Acts, of, Acts of the Apostles, page 459, if you want to reference it. The tendency of the whole system was hopelessly degrading. It was not... The apostles' work, listen to this, it was not the apostles' work to overturn arbitrarily or suddenly the established order of society. Did you hear that? Because what would have happened? We're starting a, re uh, we're starting a rebellion, a revolution, and we're going to overturn slavery. What, 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 what would have happened if that happened immediately? Well, what would the emperor have done? Oh, yeah, he would have just sent, he would have sent, a, you know, have a mass crucifixion. Christianity would have, seen, would have been seen as an enemy of the state, shut down, wiped out immediately, crushed. And so, she continues. To attempt this would have been to prevent the success of the gospel. That's what I'm just describing. But he taught, listen, but he taught principles. Listen. But he taught principles which struck at the very foundation of slavery of which, if carried into effect, would surely undermine or subvert the whole system. And then she quotes scripture. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, there is, Bible students, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. Where the Holy Spirit is moving on human hearts, it moves towards justice. Not the other way around. God help us in the West as Christians. When converted, the slave became a member of the body of Christ and as such was to be loved and treated as a brother, a fellow heir with his master to the blessings of God and the privileges of the gospel. Amen. Do we live this? When we're in our spheres of influence, are we agents of change to move that needle? Do we use our voice, our influence, our money, our vote to move the needle? It's not perfect. We know. They lived in Rome. It was, Paul is writing from Rome unjustly imprisoned, seeking a Christian to live under the reign of Christ and do justice. So the system's not perfect, family, but you're there as salt and light to move the needle. That's why you cannot read the scripture. If you understand this principle of the gospel, you can't read the scripture and claim that, that, that slaves should just be slaves. No. By the way, if you read carefully, Paul, nowhere, though it's hotly debated, he's not endorsing slavery, by the way. He's undermining it. They're living in that reality, and he's pragmatic. He says, we're all one in Jesus Christ in Galatians 3, 28 and 29, when, you, when, when you're in Christ. But he says, I know, but you live in Rome. So here's how you need to operate. But understanding Christ, you're equal. And we're moving, this movement of Christianity is moving the needle. Last thing I'll say here, come with me. <laughs> <laughs> Come with me real quick. 
Lastly, to verse number 18. Verse number 18. Verse number 18. The Bible says, but if he was, but if he has wronged you in any way, this is Paul now, he's talking to Philemon, but if he, that's Onesimus, has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. Is it sounding familiar to you? Not to mention to you that you owe me, Philemon, You owe me even your own self as well. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Later he'll say, and by the way, I'm coming when I get out of here to pay a visit to you, Philemon. Hospitality was huge in that culture, so I'm coming to visit you, Philemon. What is Paul doing there? Paul is actually demonstrating the gospel. He's not just talking about it. By the way, this is the only letter that Paul wrote where he doesn't explicitly mention the cross of Christ. Why? What he's doing here is genius. He is demonstrating it. We talk a lot in the church about the cross, but he's, I'm going to demonstrate the cross. Why? What's my final point? And that is, that is because Christ's reign, right? The good news requires us to do, to, to, to put our love to use by doing what's just in a world of unjust systems. Why? Well, because Christ's reign moves us to embody the cross by demonstrating it. It moves us to embody the cross by demonstrating it. Onesimus didn't deserve Paul paying for anything that he had done wrong. Paul says, but put it on my account. I'll take responsibility for it. I'll cover him, even if he doesn't deserve it, even if he stole from you. If he did something wrong, I'll pay for it. You treat him as you treat me. Didn't Jesus do a great exchange at the cross? And here's the thing. When you receive grace, you know that you've received grace, not because you say you've received grace. Not because you sing that you've received grace. You know you've received grace because the people, oh God help me, because the people around you receive grace from you. And they testify of it. Did you guys hear what I just said? You know that you're forgiven because you're a forgiving person. You know that you recognize that there's no condemnation, there's no judgment coming from God to you in Christ because you're not judgmental to others. So what does that mean when people say, hey, you're judgmental? You have a critical spirit. There's something in your heart that is not fully received. The gospel. Paul says, I'm going to demonstrate. Right, Chris? I'm going to demonstrate, I'm going to show the gospel. I'm going to be gracious in this difficult situation. I'm going to allow the cross to be lived out in my deeds. I'm going to cover someone that does not deserve it. You're not excusing evil, but you're demonstrating the cross. This is what it means to put your love that you say you have as a follower of Jesus to use. Amen. To be an Onesimus. Every one of us, regardless of your privilege, and, and I know that word is, is weighty for some people, but it, it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an English word. <laughs> we benefit, all of us, and in some way, shape, or form, with a spiritual privilege, isn't there not? Not everybody's the Seventh-day Adventist with the truth that you have, right? 
Use your position to lift others up. Demonstrate the gospel. They don't deserve it, but you give it. They actually, sometimes they probably do deserve it. They're just not getting the rightful due. Why, Why are you there? To do what's right. That's why you're there. The gospel calls us, it requires us, it compels us to do what's just in a world of unjust systems. Because that past way we operated, we're in Christ now. That, that's irrelevant, although we want to learn from that past. We, we also need to subvert the systems that are unjust in our world. That's why we're here, to be salt and light. And we need to demonstrate the gospel. That's putting your love to use. Who wants to do that today? Who wants to live it out? Who wants to acknowledge? Not forget. Acknowledge. Yeah. Let's say I've learned from that. And now I'm going to make it right. Let's pray. Father, we want useful love. We want to put our love to use in this world because Jesus did that for us. He stepped into a world of injustice and he came to live and give justice and righteousness. Not that we deserve, but by faith, through grace, so that his kingdom to those who receive it will come and completely remove all injustice, all wicked systems that are not of you. Therefore, your kingdom has already invaded this world and you're seeking to continue that through us until you fully come. Help us to put our love to use. Amen. Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend His reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter subscribe to this podcast, and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.